Hey, this is Marcy from 95.5 KLOS. You're listening to Jay Scott, the Hook Rock Podcast. everyone how's everybody doing hope everyone's enjoying their weekend once again this is the hook rocks and i am your host jay scott taking you on another rock and roll journey with another great interview today i think uh, you're all going to enjoy it with a great up-and-coming new band before we begin i just like to remind everyone we are part of the pantheon podcast network the network of music podcast Please go ahead and listen to all the Hook Rocks episodes, old and new. You can check out previous episodes featuring some great new bands out there like Joyous Wolf and Dirty Honey and South of Eden and Massive Wagons and Joe Satriani, as well as some great music commentary and some of the new stuff we've been doing here as well, like another interview with George Lynch, a third time we've had him on the show, Rick Allen from Def Leppard. We just had The Damn Truth on, which is a great new music spotlight showcase, and uh, got to know them a little bit, as well as some interesting commentary, too, as well. We talked about the evolution and legacy of Def Leppard. We've talked about NFT and cryptocurrency and how it's going to affect rock music and music in general. So some really great stuff for all of you to enjoy. I hope you do go check it out. Subscribe to us wherever you podcast. Write us a review wherever you want or whenever you want or however you want. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, look for our Instagram page dropping soon. That is going to be exciting. And uh, again, check out Pantheon Pods at Pantheon Pods on Twitter, PantheonPodcast.com. You can check out, again, the Hook Rocks podcast as well as many others like Carmen Apice and Vinny Apice with their Hanging and Banging podcast, Mistress Carrie, Shout Out Loudcast, Cobras and Fire, Martin Popoff, The Rock Historian, and many, many others. So go check it out. The next band here featured on the New Music Spotlight is a band that uh, I've known about for quite a while. They've been kind of working their thing, doing their thing, recording some music, and it's a combination of a few different bands all wrapped into one. Uh, Their new single dropped here this past week. And it is a phenomenal tune with a great melody and a great hook. And I think you'll enjoy it. It's a really upbeat tune. It's a lot of fun, which is what we need in today's world because everyone's so stressed out about everything that's happening and what's going on. It's nice to have a song where you can kind of forget about life for a while and just tune in and just rock out. So I'd like to welcome from the Hot Dam. The drummer, Josie O'Toole. What's going on, Josie? How are you? Hey, good, thank you. Uh, yeah, loving life. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Happy to have you on. Happy to learn more about you and, and the band and where you guys are headed. So I'm really excited. Us too. And um, we're coming your way, so look out. Uh-oh. What does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. We, we, we want to get everywhere and anywhere as soon as we're allowed to. So, um, yeah, I mean, we'd, we'd absolutely love to get over to the States sometimes, so. Look out. <laughs> yes, yes. That 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 uh, makes me really excited to hear that because I hope you guys and a lot of other bands over there are able at some point to get over to the States and it doesn't cost an arm and a leg to do so. So let's keep our fingers crossed. We shall see. You know, never say never, you know. Absolutely. Strange things have, stranger things have happened, especially over the past few years. So, um, 
Fingers crossed. Well, we always begin the same way every time we have a first-time guest on the Hook Rocks, and that is the essence of the show. Just like every rock song has a hook that sucks you in, every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a song, a band, an album, or performance that hooked them on rock and roll. What was it for you? Oh, I don't know. I mean, do you know what? I think it's probably probably at the age of about 14. Um, I grew up in a very boring town where there was not a lot to do at all. And um, But the local pub kind of became a bit like a youth centre and they'd let us sneak in and as long as we weren't getting too out of hand. Um, so we'd all go there on a Saturday night and there'd always be all um, like bands playing. It was just like a sweaty little pub, but there'd be bands playing. Some would be cover bands, some would be original bands. And I think it was just like watching those bands and just feeling the pure energy um, whilst drinking a Diet Coke on a Saturday night. Um, there was just something about it that just sparked in my brain. And like the next week I went out and bought a drum kit. And um, a year later we played our first gig um, at, at one of those sweaty pubs. So um, yeah, it, I think it was just that moment of like being being immersed in it and just seeing it and seeing the reaction and the energy of it all. Um, and yeah, uh, most people grow out of it when they get into their twenties or they get a real job or whatever. Um, and, uh, nah, some people just keep on doing it. And, uh, I think that's kind of, kind of, uh, why, why are we here talking today? So, yeah. That's awesome. What were some of your early influences on the drums? Um, do you know what? Like, I think it was, it was kind of the bands that were breaking at the time that I bought my drum kit that, that were the ones I was trying to like emulate and, um, and um, learn learn to drum along to. So, um, Feeder were one of the first bands. Um, unfortunately, their drummer passed. But um, uh, yeah, like that kind of thing. Uh, Blink One Eight Two. Uh, obviously, Travis Barker, absolute gun. So, you know, trying to trying to keep up with him <laughs> when you're just uh, just learning your instrument was probably a little bit ambitious. But you know, definitely gave something to aspire to. Um, Stereophonics. I don't know if, if um you've you had to have them over in the states. Um, oh yeah. But, but yeah, um yeah. I mean, they they were a great band. I mean, again, unfortunately, they they're drummer past. But um, uh, just in terms of being accessible and learning how to kind of drum to the song and learning that you know sometimes just playing a, a straight four four is all the song needs. And so it's kind of cool when you when you know, hear a band that's on the radio and that's that's all that's happening in the drums. So you can actually play the drum part that they're playing, and it's a really good kind of gateway, I guess, into the world of drumming. And then you kind of learn a few bits and bobs and and you know challenge yourself a bit more. But um, yeah, just kind of all all the bands that were kind of breaking around the two thousands were were the bands that were my main influences, and and you know still listen to all those today. Um, uh, you know, obviously you. You expand your horizons a bit, but um, I think like there's something about the music that you grow up with that means you've always got a soft spot for it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, everything that you hear when you're younger, you always come back to. You may stray a yeah. little bit. You may go out and listen yeah. to some other things, but eventually yeah. you'll be back. You'll come to yeah, the door again. Absolutely. absolutely. As far as drumming, you mentioned some influences. You mentioned, you know, being immersed in music when was it apparent that you wanted to get on stage and be in a band? Um, well, I think like l- playing drums on their own is actually quite boring. <laughs> like just drumming for drumming's sake. I kind of much prefer drumming in the context of a band setting than actually just sitting there playing on my own. So it was always kind of the goal as soon as I started to play drums. Um, I, one of, I, I've got three brothers and so that was quite handy because one of their, one of my brother's friends was in a band and they were looking for a drummer. So three months after buying a drum kit, they were that desperate that they asked me to um, drum in the band. So, um, you know, kind of straight away got the chance to kind of do it with other people and, and enjoy creating together. Um so yeah, we played our first gig a few weeks later and um, thank God social media and smartphones wasn't a thing then because luckily there's no record of it or evidence anywhere. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, it, the buzz is just there and then from then on it was just like, let's play more gigs onwards and upwards and, and yeah, like I said, just kind of never really stopped. 
um, there always was just something on the horizon and something happening. And if there wasn't, you'd make it happen. So, yeah. It's drums can be, you know, uh, uh, is all about presentation too. I mean, obviously you've got to, you know, you're, you're the, you're basically the, the core of the band, you know, you and the bass player. I mean, that's, it all starts with the drums, right. And the, and, and the beat and, and the rhythm section, but it's also presentation too, as well. I mean, you think of drummers that, you know, basically come out of their kit, meaning that you can see them and you can feel their, their energy. You think of, you know, people like Tommy Lee, you think of the pounding rooms like yeah. John, John Bonham, you know, what do you yeah. try to do to bring that drum, that drumming, your drumming, front and center when you're performing? Well, I mean, I always kind of think, you know, the performance is about the whole and um, everyone just being themselves and doing what they do. So it's never really been a conscious thing. It's just been a whack em, like, whack em like they've really, really, really pissed you off and, um, you know, go for gold. Um, I eat a lot of chocolate and it's my 45 minutes of exercise to, uh, to, to make the most of it. So, um, um, yeah, I just, just kind of go for gold and hit, hit every beat. Like it's your last is kind of my philosophy. And, um, yeah, I mean, I've, I'm looked after very, very well by Natal drums and, and, um, they've, they, uh, lent me this kit for a, a video and, um, I've ended up kind of stealing it. Um, it, you know, and the kit just kind of t- speaks for itself. It's it's just absolutely gorgeous. It looks like a giant watermelon. Um, I don't know if you've seen the video for Dance yes. Around, but yes. um, yeah, it's, it's kind of like turquoise fade, and I've I've put um Evans hydraulic bright bright pinky plinky red um skins on it. So, it, you know, the drum kit, you know, is is the centre of attention. I think like it's just it just looks amazing, and um, yeah, I'm just there kind of whacking them and. And uh, yeah, do, doing my worst. As far as the band goes, it's a collection of members of other bands. You guys left your other, you know, other bands that you were in. You guys started the Hot Damn. How did that all come about? What's the history for you guys? Oh, do you want the long version or the short version? <laughs> let's uh, let's do let's do the long version. Why not? <laughs> okay, so the long version was. I was living in Australia for about 10 years um, and was in a band over there called Tequila Mockingbird. And we were doing the rounds um, all over Australia, playing all over the place and doing lots of very cool things. Um, And, you know, we kind of always had it in our sights to get over to Europe and tour one day, but never really thought it would happen. Um, But, you know, we were kind of had one ear to the ground and from, from from the distance, the other side of the planet, we were kind of, quietly observing what was going on over in the UK rock scene. And um, we heard of this band called the Amorette and saw them doing amazing things. And, you know, we're fans of the band and we were doing our thing in Australia. They were doing their thing over here. Um, And then in 2016, we got the chance to come over to the UK from Australia and tour. So we all basically chucked in our day jobs and bought one-way tickets and and came over here. Um, So I'm from England originally and I'm just been in Australia like for several years um, and the other two girls in the band uh, Estelle and Jess they were from Australia so yeah we all kind of took the leap of faith and, and moved over here and you know camped out in my mum's attic and um, did a tour all over the UK and Europe which was amazing um, sometimes life gets in the way and um, you know being in a band requires a lot of sacrifice and a lot of stars to align and unfortunately um, Jess and Estelle couldn't do it long, longer term and, you know, for their own reasons, went back to Australia. Um, and we carried on, we, ca- we actually carried on because we had like lots of commitments and gigs. So replaced those members and um, we carried on for another couple of years. Um, uh, uh, and then it got to a point that myself and Jacinta, the, the new bass player, we were looking for a, a new singer because it, it just wasn't working out. Um, and just so happened at the same time. So the Amorettes had been going and going on and doing amazing things, playing, playing all over Europe and smashing, smashing it basically. Um, and then just kind of out of the blue, I got a message from the singer in the Amorettes one day. Um, she was aware that we were looking for a singer guitarist and she basically just said, look, we haven't announced it yet, but we're going to be looking for a bass player and a drummer very shortly. Um, 
I know you're looking for a singer guitarist. I, uh, you know, there's something something there. You know, it's we, just a mad coincidence that right at the same point in time, we both were looking for members, and they were the you know the opposite members to what what each other needed. So. We had a good chat about things and we decided for the whole of 2019 to honour both both sets of gigs. So the Amorettes obviously had lots of shows booked for that year. Tequila Mockingbird had loads of shows booked. So we decided to combine the two bands, um, the bass player and myself from Tequila and Jill on, on vocals and guitar, and honour all of the Amorettes gigs as the Amorettes and honour all of the Tequila Mockingbird gigs as Tequila Mockingbird. So that was an amazing experience. Um, we also got Laurie Buchanan in on guitar, who was an absolute gun guitarist who we'd, we'd kind of seen around the traps. And we thought if we're mixing things up, we might as well, you know, try out having two guitars in the band because we always kind of wanted to have that extra kind of oomph to the sound. So, yeah, for, for 2019, that's what we did. And then, it, you know, got towards the end of 2019 and everyone was like, well, what are you doing now? You know, are you... Are you booking more gigs as both bands? Are you going to just drop one band and become the other band? Or are you going to start completely afresh? Or are you going to give up playing altogether? And we were in a very fortunate position in that we'd had a year to kind of, you know, spend on the road together because you never quite know know your bandmates until you spent a year on the road with them. So we'd, we'd had an absolute blast and we decided... It just felt right at that point to just start something completely fresh um, and new. And um, that's kind of when the Hot Dam was born. We, we decided we wanted to, to do something. Obviously, 2020 hit. Um, we were quite fortunate in the grand scheme of things because obviously we were going to be spending that year starting again and, and writing and, and building from, from the ground again. Um, so we kind of, it was almost a gift to us in a way because we we kind of had that year without any pressure to get out on the road straight away or anything to kind of work on everything behind the scenes and and write and get everything together um and yeah so that is the long the 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 long version of how the hot dam was born um we obviously obviously needed a bass player because Jacinta is a killer bass player moved back to Australia um and that's where Lizzie um, came into the picture who just happened to live down the road from me and um, yeah we kind of kept bumping into each other and um, talking talking music and and um, she was down and completely bonkers and that's that's what we what we need so um, yeah she jumps on board so yes that's kind of how it all came together. Was it always the intention to have a completely new identity and not you know use one of the orphan mentioned bands um, previously, like, you know, Tequila Mockingbird or the Emirates, was it always the intention to go and rebrand yourself and rename yourself? Um, no, we, we literally didn't know what we were going to do. Going into 20, 20, 2019, when we were doing the shows as both bands, every single gig, people would be like, oh, what are you going to do? You know, are you going to merge each band? And they were like, are you going to be called the, Amor- the Amaretto Tequila Mockingbirds? What, you know, how are you going to do this? Um, what's the plan and we didn't know we were like at the moment we are fulfilling all the Tequila Mockingbird gigs fulfilling all the Amorex gigs we'll see how it goes and we'll we'll make our mind up when once it feels you know once it feels right um, and, you know sometimes I think you've just got to trust your gut instincts and by the end of the year all of our gut was saying look this has been cool um, really amazing playing how we've been playing you know for different bands and, and doing all of this but all of us felt like we wanted to start something new and fresh and that was everybody's rather than anyone feeling like they were playing in someone else's band or, you know, Tequila Mockingbird were an Australian band. So it was just a very kind of confusing thing to explain to people why this Australian band had Scottish accents. And the same with the Amorettes. They were a Scottish band. So kind of, you know, it, it was it just felt like the right thing to do by the end of the year and it wasn't even a conscious decision. It was just like that 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 made its own decision for us and then it was just about right, where do we go next? Um and, and how do we do it and, and what do we do? And again, it's all just kind of very, very naturally come together, um, without really thinking about it too much. Even like the whole the colour, you know, we we'd both come from well, we'd all come from like bands that were kind of rock and rolly type bands, leather jacket, black jeans, black boots kind of thing. 
And um, it wasn't even really a conscious decision, I think, to move away from that. It was just kind of a, a joke that went, that just got a bit carried away. We started doing tie-dye and everyone absolutely loved it. We, we did not think that people would be into that. And I think just after a really bleak, boring year, the more ridiculous we got, the more we enjoyed it and the more people responded to it. So it was like, sweet, this is this is what we do. We we just we just um prance around like idiots and, and have a good time and you know, <laughs> I think that's what, what everybody needs right now. The new song is Dance Around. The video dropped earlier this week. I think it was July first when it dropped. Uh, just a fantastic song, fantastic energy. The band is the hot damn. One thing I did notice, as you did mention with the video, was the color, was the energy of the song. I mean, you could feel it through the screen when you're watching it. It's got, it's very reminiscent, especially the color and the, and the, and the scheme of the energy is very reminiscent to, you know, those old British, you know, glam bands like, like uh, like T Rex and Sweet yeah. and and stuff like that and you know it it's it really does capture that energy of of that past in a modern sense too you know I mean it doesn't I wouldn't say it really it sounds like it, it's got you know the influence of that it's your own sound it's a modern sound but that energy like you said really does shine and the colors really kind of bring out fun which is let's let's face it not a lot of people have had a lot of fun over the last year and a half exactly and it's very refreshing to see that oh well thank you like we you know you ne- when you do something for the first time you never quite know how it's going to turn out and you know we we knew we wanted color we knew we wanted sparkles we knew we wanted a glitter curtain we knew we, we wanted it to be ridiculous but you know, we, we kind of didn't even have any points of reference really to show the videographers or anything and we just kind of went and did it and luckily I think I think, you know, they completely got where we were trying to go with it and we got the first edit back and we were just like nailed it. Like that that's exactly what we were trying to do is just have a good time and just just be a bit of fun and be ourselves and, and you know, not, not try try too hard. And um yeah. It's, it's yeah. It's come out great. We, we we couldn't be happier, really. Is that the direction the band is headed into that that fun type of vibe and and you know you know kind of you know get off your butt and start moving and start dancing and start having a good time? Is that what you guys really want to go after? Oh, a hundred percent. Because I think I think rock's got very serious lately. Like there's there's it's uh, I don't know why uh, you know I don't. But that you know, there's a lot of bands that are incredible bands out there, but a lot of them are quite serious. And you know, and that's across the board in pop as well. Pop's got very serious. You know, I remember pop in the olden days was like Venga Boys and Aqua and all these just fun, you know, fun ridiculous bands. And now it's a lot more, you know, taking itself seriously. And you know, um, we. Yeah, we just want to have a good time. You know, we've 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 done what we've done, and we have been pent up indoors for eighteen months nearly, and we just we just kind of want to. You know, what's the point in doing it if if you're not having a good time doing it? And you know, different people find different things fun, and we find dancing around with inflated bananas fun. So um, that's that's what we're going to do. And like I said, the more we we weren't quite sure how this was going to go down because everything we've done before was a little bit heavier and a little bit more serious. So we thought, are people going to buy into this or are they going to think we've lost the plot? Um, but at the end of the day, we didn't really, we didn't really mind what they thought because at the end of the day, it was something we were proud of and something we enjoyed doing. So you can't lose when, when you've enjoyed it and you're proud of it. It's kind of, you put it out into the world and if other people like it too, amazing because yay, you know, you, you're kind of, given something something to someone that's going to you know improve their day um and if they don't like it they don't like it but um you know as long as you're proud of it and you've enjoyed making it you you just can't lose and and uh hopefully hopefully other people enjoy it too and and so far the reaction's been amazing and um yeah you know can't complain about anything what was the collaborative process like i mean you guys are all coming from different directions right and you're all coming into one place and you start to collaborate with each other and everything's new and, and that's exciting in itself when you have the newness of everything but you know 
you obviously left another band or had to, you know, part ways with members of the previous band as, as pretty much everyone in the band did. And now you're all meeting as one. You know, how did those initial jams, those initial you know collaborations start to make you feel like this is a home now? This is something that uh, is, is working. That's a really interesting question. So, um, yeah, you kind of have your way of doing things. And, and, like, both Jill and I had kind of only ever really been in one band. We kind of had our way of writing within those bands. I mean, I think in the Amorettes, Jill did quite a lot of the writing, almost all, if not all the writing. So she, you know, I don't quite know exactly what their process was, but I guess she essentially wrote the songs and then they they came together to to turn them into band songs rather than just demos or whatever. Uh, whereas in Tequila Mockingbird, it had always been a little bit more like someone would send an idea around on a voice memo or whatever, and then someone else would work on it. And, you know, we'd kind of end up structuring a song via text message and then we'd get to a, a rehearsal and then kind of play it all live and, we'd probably then play, start playing it at gigs probably far sooner than we should have, you know, when we were still writing it really. And, and it would get tweaked when someone would make a mistake and it would actually improve the song or whatever. And, you know, so we'd be playing them live for like a year before we even recorded any of them. Um, so going into a new band um, where the approach had been so different, we kind of had to find a, a new groove and a new way of doing things. And, um, yeah, it was it was a really cool collaborative process in the end, and it was it was really nice because everybody has made everybody has had an impact on this song. It's not one song that someone came to us as a fully completed song, and I think because of that, we all feel really kind of attached to it and involved in it. And you know, started off with Jill had a, a demo um, that she'd put in the band Dropbox, and she kind of was like, "Oh, I'm not sure about that one. Might put it in the bin," you know. And Laurie and I listened to it, and we we're like, "Nah, that one's really grabbed us. Like, we really." like the kind of uh the the melody of the of the chorus kind of thing but it didn't really have any words um i'd sent jill some words for a different song and she'd kind of been scatting them over the top of the the verse chords um but it was all a bit blah blah blarry and i think laurie had listened to it and then picked out some of those words that she liked and then kind of made a story out of it and came back with that and then we went up to scotland where jill lived and actually kind of demoed it in the studio with with Jill. And then we jammed it down um, down near me, down near London with Lizzie and the bass player and like all together. And that was when we were like, oh, it needs to stop in there. That was Lizzie's idea. And then we were doing some more demos. And I was like, oh, it needs some ooze in there. And then Laurie put all the jangly guitars in that made it just a bit more kind of poppy and not just a straight out rock song. And um, then sent it over to um, our the producer that Tequila Mockingbird used in Australia. He's an absolute legend of a producer. He's called Ricky Ray and uh, sent it to him and he made a couple of tiny suggestions that, that just kind of, you know, added that extra bit of oomph. And um, yeah, then we went and recorded it with um, Adam Thistlethwaite from Massive Wagons. We went up to, to their unit and um, recorded with him and also Dave Draper. I did the drums with him. Um, and yeah, then sent it over to us to be mixed by Ricky and yeah, ultimately we were all really, really happy with the end result because it was all, it was, it was all of our babies and it started from a little nugget that Jill had plopped in the, in the drop box and everyone kind of had a little bit of a, added their little bit of themselves to it. And, um, we we're all super, super happy with how it turned out. So we just need to do 10 more of them and, and call it an album and, uh, Away we go. When is more music coming from you guys? I mean, when, you know, is there an album? Is there an EP? What can we expect? Well, we're, we're working on stuff. Like, we've got many, many song ideas in the Dropbox that are all being scrubbed up at the moment. Um, it's a little bit complicated at the moment. With uh, We all work full-time, and we all live all across the UK. We're not all in one place. And obviously, with lockdown and travel restrictions it's been a lot harder than than it normally would be to kind of all get together and actually spend the time but it's all all simmering away in the background we've got a, a few that we're kind of nearly there with um and we're going to be starting to gig next month so 
those will be fully scrubbed and, and ready to rumble. And, and yeah, we, we, we're not sure if it's going to be an EP or an album we're working towards at this stage. Uh, we kind of thought we'd put the first song out there just to announce our arrival and um, take it from there and see what happens. Um, like I said, it's all kind of very naturally and organically progressed thus far. So we're just hoping that kind of continues and we haven't got, haven't got a definite game plan in our mind as to whether it's an album or an EP. We'll just, We'll just see how it how it progresses and what feels right and um, take it from there. How difficult was that to communicate, to be a band, you know, during COVID with the restrictions on travel and being all over the place in the UK? How tough was that to hang on to everybody? Because, you know, it is a difficult time and, and uh, you know, it's, it's a struggle for a lot of people, especially a new band. Um, you know, that's a huge challenge in itself. So how did you guys overcome that? Well, I think everybody's had their challenges this year. You know, whether you're in a band that's been going for 10 years or you're a brand new band that's never played a gig, I think it's been the same for everyone. You know, everyone's had their own their own struggles outside of bands, you know, just dealing with what the last 18 months has thrown everybody. Um, and then, in addition to that, obviously, yeah, start, starting a band from scratch has been has been it's been hard work. Not going to lie, especially living so apart from each other because getting together, you know, we might only get a weekend here and there, and you've really got to kind of make the most of it. So it's not like a normal band where even when you are allowed to meet up, you can just meet up once a week and and jam and let things naturally progress. Like we do, really have to kind of plan things and make a conscious effort to to make the most of our time together when all you really want to do having not seen anyone for a year is just hang out and get drunk you know you haven't you know because we're friends at the end of the day and and you know so as soon as Jill flies down you know we really have to kick our own asses to get into the studio and actually be productive before we can have too much fun if you know what I mean um but yeah I mean I, I don't think it's necessarily been any harder for us than it has been for anyone it's it's everybody's got their challenges um, and you just got to make it work, haven't you? Um, there's, there's nothing anybody can do about it other than make the best of it. And um, that's what we've been trying to do. And, you know, and that's kind of why we've been trying to be really active on social media as well, because in the absence of music coming out anytime, you know, towards the beginning of our inception as a band, it doesn't mean we weren't doing things as a band. We, you know, we were, we were trying to get everything off the ground and, trying to raise a bit of money to actually do the recording and do the videos. So we thought, you know, everyone's just sat around twiddling their thumbs at the moment. Why not like document as much as we can of the whole process so they can kind of see that we haven't just announced the band and, and aren't doing anything. There's a lot going on behind the scenes. So we've tried to document as much of, you know, the recording, the writing, you know, even, you know, the merch. Um, I touched on it earlier about making the tie-dye t-shirts and stuff and, we thought we might as well just, you know, share share as much of the journey as possible because um, there's not much else to do at the moment. So <laughs> if it entertains people, then um, we might as well put it out there because we ain't playing gigs right now. And it's, it's something and sometimes something's better than nothing. Absolutely. You guys have the tour with the Dust Coda coming up here later this year, yeah. which is a kick-ass bill because their album that they released last was it the winter or was it early spring? Whenever it was, it's it's a monster album and it's a great bill to be a part of. How did that come about? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, we're super, super grateful um, to to the guys for kind of taking the chance on us. So, um, yeah, I mean, we, we saw the tour was announced and we just basically shot them a message. and We're like, hey, guys, we know we're not really a band yet and we know you've never heard any of our music, uh, but take us on tour with you. And uh, they were like, "Yeah, but can you uh, give us anything?" So we did. We did send them like the demo of, of the song, and we did try and at least show them, show them, you know, evidence that that people would come to the shows, and that hopefully we could bring something to the table, you know, in terms of we've just been so lucky with the support that's come from the previous bands. You've kind of shown their faith in what we're doing and before we'd even released any music they were already buying our merch and repping our merch you know around the place and posting pictures and selfies of them 
in their ridiculous tie dye having having a good time. So um, we kind of used all of this towards our case to the dust coder being like, yeah, we don't have any songs yet, but here you go. We, we we've got fans maybe, and um, yeah, massive credit to the guys and and our internal eternal gratitude that they took a took a chance on it and um yeah really really looking forward to that because uh, i saw them they were playing a live stream a couple of weeks ago and i was just helping out with some of the behind the scenes stuff there and honest to god one of the best live bands i've seen like absolute you know goosebump moments throughout the set so that's definitely going to be a, a an amazing way to hit the ground running um going on a tour with a band of that caliber so really really looking forward to it yeah, that's a sensational tour. I, I hope when you guys do come to the States, you come with them because that would be an awesome bill to see because I I'll, love that band. I'll suggest it. I'll suggest <laughs> it. We'll, we'll make it happen. Put it well, in the now, suggestion now that, box. As, well, now that Brexit's happened, it might actually um, it might actually mean more bands go over to the States because I think in the past it was so easy to get over to Europe and inexpensive that a lot of bands were like, well, we might as well go conquer Europe before we start thinking about further afield. But now Brexit's happened, I think touring Europe's going to be a bit of a nightmare. So if, if you're going to go overseas, it's going to be hard work and expensive. So it's almost like, well, the States is kind of no different to going to Germany now, really, in terms of the paperwork and logistics and visas and stuff. So, you know, you know, it, it's almost more likely that we'll do it now than, than maybe before Brexit happened. So, yeah, like I said look out well that was my next topic with you because there was news this past week with bruce dickinson from iron maiden appearing on sky news Mm. and Mm. you know local to america we've all heard about brexit we all familiar with what what you know transpired and the long you know process that it took to finally get separation and you know a lot of people were predicting you know, different types of struggles and different types of challenges as a result. And a lot of people didn't really think that. And a lot of people believed in, in what wasn't to be. And Bruce Dickinson made a lot of news and like, hey, you know, a lot of people were saying this prior to it, yet people like him voted for it. And now, yeah. you know, now we have these challenges that could have all been avoided. What exactly is going on to explain to American fans or fans in, in other countries about why all of a sudden it is now difficult to move back and forth from Europe to the UK because of Brexit? Well, I mean, I think everyone's still trying to work out exactly what it means. Um, basically, the UK narrowly voted to leave the European Union. Uh, when we were part of the European Union, it basically meant you could work in any European Union country without a visa. So, you know, if you were going over to France or Germany, you could just go over there and tour there and not have to worry about paperwork or importing merch or anything like that. Whereas now that we've voted to leave, we are now a completely kind of distinct economical unit versus um, Europe um, and the European countries. So if we do want to go and work there, if you're taking part in paid employment in another country, you basically have to apply for a working visa to do so. And for bands that are kind of emerging and going into a new territory for the first time and trying to establish a fan base, you know, you're lucky to break even on a tour, you know, the first time you go somewhere new as it is, you know, by the time you've paid your crew, hired a van, paid for hotels, petrol, etc., when you haven't got a big fan base, that that's tight enough as is. But then if you then go and add on the admin and the cost of visas and carnets and all sorts, um, suddenly a, a tour that just about was going to break even is now thousands into the red. And it's just impossible to justify that. Um, I don't think anyone really knows the true impact yet because no bands have really had the opportunity to go and tour Europe yet because of COVID, obviously. So, you know, there's a lot of kind of hearsay and rumors and are we, aren't we, et cetera, et cetera. There's still some fine tuning happening. There's still negotiations happening. I think now you can tour Iceland without a visa and it's like, great. Yep. Cause 
one of the key touring territories. <laughs> Not, um, you know, they've they've managed to negotiate all these random countries that you can tour to now, but it is just so detached from reality. And unfortunately, I think the last year has proven how detached the government is from the arts and especially the live music scene because it just seems to have been completely buried and forgotten and it, it's just a mammoth shame that, that there hasn't been anybody who's been able to speak up for musicians or for music and have any influence or power like I don't know if you're familiar with Marcus Rashford and what happened in the UK with him he's a famous footballer over here um, and um, he managed to like campaign for kids to get free school lunches because obviously during lockdown they were all at home and normally kids from low-income families, they get free school lunches. But because of lockdown, um, kids have been doing homeschooling, etc. And during the school holidays, the government said it wasn't going to provide that support in any way, shape or form. And he managed to basically lobby the government single-handedly to get them to overturn that decision. Um, and actually provide that support, and which is obviously super, super important um, in these crazy times. But in music, it just seems like just everyone's just fallen through the net. Venues, tech, bands, everybody. And there just seems to have been not one single voice or one single body with the power or influence to actually get the government to sit up and listen and realise what a dire state the arts are in. Um, and so unfortunately, even though you can have a football match with 45,000 people in the crowd with no social distancing, there's fest outdoor festivals getting cancelled even now. And it just does not compute. And uh, you know, I, I don't know the rationale or the reasoning and... You know, I think everyone feels pretty powerless to do anything about it. Um, luckily, immunizations are going well, and, and the hope is that all restrictions will be gone by this time next month. But it's it's been a pretty a pretty dire year for for the arts in general. And yeah, Brexit has just been the icing on the cake. And like I said, yeah, I don't think anyone's really quite aware of the true impact yet because no one's had the chance to actually test out how it is to do a tour in Europe under the new Brexit restrictions because Brexit has kind of been the least of our worries when you're not even allowed to get on a plane. It's very similar to what was happening in the States last year and even early parts of this year where there were so many inconsistencies, right? In, in terms of rules and regulations, you can do this, you can't do that, you can you know, you can go here, but you can't go there. And yeah, um, I, I think to a to a person who understands how serious the pandemic is, we do know there needs to be restrictions, right? We do know that we need to wear masks and six feet, you know, you know, distance between each other, and you know, not overcrowd. And we all understood, it. and I think for the most part, everybody agreed with with what needed yeah. to be done. I think the frustrating thing for everyone, and it sounds like it's the same in the UK, is you know you don't know okay why is this state this way? Why are some people doing this? Yeah, and some people that, and that was really frustrating because it feels then, you know, that there are special privileges given to certain entities and certain businesses and certain areas, and maybe that's the case, maybe not, but it gives that perception that there is and that adds to the frustration. The other Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. The other thing is that you mentioned about the arts and about how the government in the UK has basically forgotten about the importance yeah. of arts, whether it's music, whether it's plays, whether it's whatever the case. And it's also very similar to what happened here in the US. We had an organization yeah. called Save Our Stages which yeah. was fighting for these venues. And what people don't understand, when you hear, you know, people saying we need, you know, we need financial aid for these venues, these local venues in towns across America, what they don't understand is if those venues shut down, the revenue that's brought into those towns goes away because when you go to a concert, you usually go for dinner. You usually yeah. go to the bar afterwards and have drinks, and that's yeah. all revenue coming in. It's an ecosystem yeah. within yeah. within the town. 
And when yep. some, when someone just discards that and says, "Oh, that's not that important," it it just speaks of their ignorance of of yes, this is important. The other important thing, Josie, is this pandemic has proven how social we are. We are social beings. We need to interact with each other. We need to have things that we entertain us. That's just who we are. And when you take away concerts, when you take away music, when you take away the things that it stops us from being social beings, it affects us in mental health issues and depression and other stuff as well because we're not interacting with each other. So when someone says that the arts are not important, again, it just shows their ignorance on what is important and what is needed to be done for for human beings. Oh, absolutely. Like, you know, it's it's kind of, it's, it's a strange irony in a way in that, you know, Art is what you live for, you know. It's you know the whole art versus science. Yes, science keeps you alive, but art makes life worth living. If you know what I mean, like if if we all stand under lockdown forever because science says we have to, I feel like there'd be absolutely massive repercussions for people because it's like, well, what is the point of existing right now? It's it's it was it was hard for everybody, and you know, I, I really feel for people who like live on their own, you know. People who at least had families had some kind of social interaction to keep some level of normality. But, um, you know, people who kind of lived on their own last year and, and weren't legally allowed to interact with humans, except for when the government said so. And meanwhile, the government is breaking its own rules and getting caught out red handed and not taking any accountability or responsibility for it. It's just, you know, I'm, I'm all for doing the right thing and, and doing what's right. But, you know, when your leaders aren't, it's 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 a slap in the face, you know, and quite disrespectful of, of everybody who's really sacrificed a lot over the past year. So it's been it's been a hard a hard time for everybody, I think, um, and I think everyone's just really really looking forward to hopefully things getting back on track and um, never having to live through a pandemic again. Yeah, I hope so too. I hope so too. But ex- what is exciting is new music and the new band, like the new bands, like the Hot Damn. And really looking forward to more stuff. When can we expect another single, another song from you guys? Very good question. Um, <laughs> well, we, I mean, the thing is that now gigs are starting to come back. So our, our next few kind of catch-ups are going to be really focused on getting the live set together, ready to actually start playing. Um, because when we've been offered gigs with so much time off the road since uh, since we you know last played, we couldn't say no to the gigs. We just had to play them, you know, even if it's not the right thing to do from a business sense, we don't care. We, we need to play. So we've said yes to all the gigs that have been thrown at us, basically. And the plan will be to try and get more music out before we do that tour um, in December with the Dust Coder. So that, that's kind of the, the loose plan at the moment and um, immediate focus on, on the gigs, but then getting, you know, at least an EP together before the end of the year so that um, people have got a little bit of it to take home with them. Well, Josie, I look forward to it. Uh, I can't wait for more stuff. The new song, Dance Around, is just, like I said, it's it's a great, fun song, and uh, I can't wait to hear more. Oh, well, thank you very much. Glad you're digging it, and um, cheers for supporting new music. Um, it's good to be getting back out there. Absolutely. Tell everybody where they can find you. They can find us everywhere. We're all over the place. Um, where are we? We're on Instagram. It's all at, um, at the Hot Damn UK. Same for Facebook, uh, Twitter. We are also on TikTok. I don't even know what a TikTok is, to be honest, but apparently we're there. Um, and, yeah, uh, we've got a mailing list that you can sign up to, and we'll uh, bombard you not too regularly with a few little updates from behind the scenes. We've got a merch store that ships glo- globally which has more tie you can literally be head to toe tie dye now. We have tie dye socks, pants, t shirts, hoodies, caps, sunglasses. It's it's actually beyond a joke now. Um but it is what it is and it's what we do and it's how we roll. So if you fancy looking absolutely ridiculous as your reaction to the year that was, then uh come join the cult. We're all about it. Well, Everyone, that is Josie O'Toole from the band The Hot Damn. 
Like I said, the new song is Dance Around. You can find it on all their social media platforms that Josie just mentioned, also on YouTube as well. Can't wait to hear more music. So thank you again, Josie, for doing the Hook Rocks. Thanks so much for having me. All right, everybody. I'm Jay Scott. Once again, that's Josie O'Toole from The Hot Damn. This is another great episode of The Hook Rocks, the, the ultimate rock community podcast, our new music spotlight. Take care, everybody. Stay safe, stay strong, and we will talk again soon. Thank you. Doesn't know you mean, and your heart is like a subway train. Ooh, don't you wanna die? Ooh, don't you wanna take it? Ooh, I don't wanna wake up or go home. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.